Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us from preschool to teen. This is the show where we help you feel better about the mom you are and share our own parenting tips and personal stories. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. everyone and welcome to episode 122 of the mom hour i am megan francis here as always with sarah powers hey sarah hey megan i'm really excited because today we're going to do one of our favorite things yes and that is to take questions um from listeners and we get we get these and we kind of save them up yeah Um, we hoard them a little bit and then we like to pick some of our favorites and answer them every every so often so this will be one of those two-parters where we'll answer a few in this episode and then answer a few more next week yeah it's going to be really fun and almost all of them all the ones for today and most of the ones for next week were sent in with listeners recording their voices which is so I much fun that. to hear your voices and so um yeah at the end of the show we'll remind you guys how to do that if you would like to do that for a future episode so Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor Factor Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. 
Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place dot com code mom hour. Okay, so we're going to dive right into our listener questions and um, we're going to play this first one, which kind of I think of this as kind of a two part question. So we'll talk about both parts um, and it comes from Ellie. So here's Ellie. Hi, Sarah and Megan. This is Ellie Abney. I've been a longtime listener since you guys were podcasting over at the home hour together. Um, I am a mom of three in Southern California and I just had my third in January and I have a couple questions for you guys. We just found out we're pregnant with our fourth (laughs) that is due next January so they'll be exactly 12 months apart and I'm curious what the closest age gap that you have is and if you have any tips for that my oldest two are three and a half years apart and then my next two are exactly two years apart and then these two will be one year apart so if you have any tips for that and then also this will be our first time with our kids needing to share rooms and so I'm curious if you have any tips for which kids to share rooms, the oldest, the youngest, how would, how you think, what your experience is with that. And um, just if you have any tips for that transition. Thank you so much. I love your show so much. Thanks. Have a good one. Okay. Thank you, Ellie. And congratulations. And congratulations. Congrats. Um, we're Very recording exciting. this. Let's see. Yeah. In the beginning of October. So Ellie is closing in on baby number four spaced one year after baby number three. Um, wow. So I love both these questions and um, we'll just tackle it as we can. So the spacing between my kids is exactly two years or two years and a month between the first two and then a little over two and a half years between number two and number three. So I don't have super close spaced kids, but we'll get into that a little bit more in a minute. And Megan, do you want to talk about your spacing? Yeah, no, the closest spacing I have is um, 21 months. So okay. not same thing, not super close. Which is um, still though, I feel like anything was, less than two yeah. years. I remember when I, mine are like 25 months apart, but I had friends who were anywhere in that 18, 20, 21. It's still a big difference because those two year olds mature so much between 21 months and say two and a half. It's like every month is, you know, a big deal. Yeah. But, and I would say, I would say it wasn't the hardest part wasn't having a newborn and a toddler because that's you know I had that um, for a long time it was more like when 
when the baby was a toddler and mm-hmm. the older one was still kind of <laughs> pretty little. That like was, a three you know, and a half got, and a two year old. Yeah, kind of. yeah. Getting out of the house was hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was getting out of the house was hard anyway, but like, especially when both kids could fight you. Right. Um, yeah, that kind of thing. So I don't have great advice for that close to spacing. <laughs> Get your sleep where you can. And also, you know, keep in mind that this is going to be like an intense, but relatively short yeah. period of super difficult, you know, nights and getting them to do the same stuff at the same time, you know, and, and nap times and all that. Um, but it'll be over. And I always, when people ask me the ideal spacing, it's like, well, you can either, you know, stretch it out and yeah. have everything, like do everything and then get a little break in between and like, you know, the potty training and all that. Or right. you can kind of crush it all together. I don't think there's one that's better or worse no. than the other. It's just very and different. I kind of love that, Ellie, it's baby three and four. So she is a seasoned mom. She's already right. survived having three kids, which that was the hardest transition yep. for me and where I stopped. Yep. Um, but I, when we got this question, I actually threw it out on Facebook because I knew that obviously neither you or I have kids, what I would call super closely right. spaced. Um, but I knew our listeners did. So I will link to this Facebook thread in the show notes because we got amazing feedback, including feedback from moms who have kids Spaced 12 months apart, 13, 14, very closely spaced, and twins because there's some of the same consideration. And just a couple of the highlights were several people said get everybody on the same sleep schedule as soon as possible. Mm. And so that is, I did think that was good food for thought. Even if you're not an overly scheduled sleep person, I can just see how that would just make life so much easier. And then lots of other just great tips about, you know, accepting help, knowing that this too shall pass pretty quickly, Mm. you know, all of those things that we know. really some really um, excellent sort of tactical and practical tips. So be sure to either go to our Facebook page or go to the show notes for episode 122. And we will link to that because I feel like it's, there's a treasure trove there. Um, yeah. But yeah. And so let's talk about the kind of part two, which is room sharing, because we've both done this mm. and with different ages. So Ellie's specific question is like, which kids to pair up and when yeah. do you remember? I know you have done room sharing. I have do you remember done how all different. Well, I've done all, I've been, I've done all of it. I've done it all over the place. I think with a baby, you want the baby to share a room with the best sleeper. So mm-hmm. I would not I would not personally put a baby in a room with someone who struggled at night to sleep, someone who was a noisy sleeper, someone who got up a lot at night. Like I would maybe pair the baby with the oldest. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done that. Okay. Um, I've I don't think, and I'm trying to think back, when space was made it necessary, I would have two kids, like the closest aged kids together. Right. But as a general rule, I didn't do that because okay. I just found like a couple of kids two years apart in the same room, especially if they're younger, if they're mm-hmm. really young, it just it can be just complete chaos. Right. So yeah, I think if you go by personality, though, I mean, not all kids are going to be that way. And I don't know. What about you? If you had to pick two of your kids to had to share a room, which two would they be? Yeah. So right now I would probably pick actually the younger two. So Reed and Violet, but they would okay. have taken a while to get there. They both sleep really well. Now Reed's a really uh, deep sleeper. And actually my lightest sleeper is the oldest Allegra. Um, but I did have Reed and Allegra share a room when they were three and five. Um, and it was for about a year, I think. And it worked out fine. Um, I'm curious if, so you had all boys first, but I know there's a lot of moms who start to wonder if boy girl room sharing gets weird after a certain amount of time. And I, I mean, I don't think that would get weird for quite a while, right? Yeah. Like, no, I mean, yeah. you're not, my kids don't care still about changing clothes in front of one another. And I know yeah. that does change with, with age, but I, I don't, I can't remember what Ellie's um, gender order is, but I for sure had no hesitation about a boy girl room sharing. I know like if you'd like to decorate your rooms, kid, your kids' rooms right. really cute, maybe that is a challenge. Um, 
I'm actually sitting, I'm recording in the bunk bedroom now where I have a really cute patterned bedspread that I bought when I knew it was going to be a boy-girl share, and it's super cute. So little considerations like that, maybe. Um, I know gender gender is would not be the number one thing no. for me like ever. <laughs> Until yeah, I, I had a teenager. It, that I don't really wouldn't be the determining factor for me. And I will also say that um, Ellie's gonna have like a legit big family now. Yeah. And I find that in big families that even becomes less of a thing. Like yeah. you know, especially and I don't remember the genders of her other kids. Um, but I just in my family that's never been a problem. And the kids have all kind of drifted and gravitated from room to room and yeah. I, I find that in big families the idea of where everyone sleeps tends to just be a little laxer because right. kids get close with other siblings and then they right. kind of switch alliances yeah. or certain kids need privacy more than others. It and just schedules, a lot. schedules will line up for a while and then they won't. And so then I re- they won't. Yep. I remember phases where like if you have a napping preschooler, a preschooler or a toddler who takes naps, they can stay up a little later at night and then your kindergartner or first grader is just as tired because they don't take naps anymore. Do you know what I mean? So even though there's a couple um, years in between, they really can go to bed at the same time because one of them has the benefit of that nap. And then that one gives up the nap and now they get tired really early in the evening. The one thing I will say too, as someone who was, you know, kind of controlling about sleep is I really worried about putting them in together and disruptions like waking up to go to the bathroom at night or having a bad dream. You know, my kids were, they were sleeping through the night in theory, but they were still at that age where if they needed help in the night, it required like calling out for mom or, you know, getting up and, um, the truth is, I think some of that makes kids a little more flexible. And there are kids who are light sleepers and other kids who are heavy sleepers. But it's like mm-hmm. you just have to push through the first week or two or three. So that might be another thing for Ellie to consider is when to do it. Like to yeah. do it now when there's a few months before baby. It's so hard when you're like you're when you're pregnant, you're just already waking up so much. I can right, I can I see how you wouldn't want to do that. But um, knowing that it'll be a little bit of a transition. But then there are some real conveniences, like if they are similar aged or similar bedtime kids you can put them together put them to bed together in one room and you're not yeah. going back and forth to you know give kisses and read stories and all that so right. I think yep. there's a lot of benefits but yeah and I think that the answer to this is it depends which is so <laughs> I mean we always feel like we're always giving these kind of non-answer answers but it does seem that way doesn't it it does it, it's yeah it depends and um you, it, and it'll all be okay it'll all be if okay you put, if you put two kids together and it's the wrong fit change yep. it and I feel like there's a little bit of a grace period with that newborn baby where the newborn baby's not even like sleeping on a normal schedule at all. So they're either with you in, in your bedroom or, you know, right. everything's up in the air. So it's probably that one year old. It's probably if, I, if that were my situation, it would probably be the 12 month old that I would think most strategically about having good sleep, like good yeah. sleep schedule yeah. and a good sleep bedroom, because the older ones are a little bit older and the newborn's going to do what the newborn's going to do. Exactly. So I'd probably put all of my focus into that one year old and get them to sleep however I would just obsessively <laughs> obsessively focus on my one-year-old to the you know that's what I would do. of yeah. all else of course that's good, good advice, advice. <laughs> good advice <laughs> all right um well Ellie we're rooting for you I think that's awesome and slightly terrifying but in the best possible way so you're gonna be awesome um, okay, question two comes from Rachel, and it is about helping siblings get along. So let's listen to Rachel. Hey, Megan and Sarah, this is Rachel, and I have two little girls ages four and 14 months. And my question involves fostering a healthy sibling relationship. 
And uh, my main problem is that my oldest daughter, she loves her little sister and wants to play with her, but she gets frustrated when her little sister doesn't understand rules of games or how to share toys. So she ends up seeing her little sister as more of an annoyance than um, than as a buddy. And um, of course, she ends up yelling at her or getting, you know, in other ways, uh, you know, snatching toys out of the little one's hands, which makes the little one cry. And so everybody ends up upset. And so what ends up happening is that I separate them and I don't want to have to always do that. Um, And I feel like with the three year age gap, I'm grasping at straws, trying to think of things they can do together, but they can only play peekaboo or take turns on a playing xylophone for so long so um, I'm just wondering if this is just something that will naturally get easier as they get older or is it something um, is there something I can do to make it better Uh, thank you guys and um, keep up the good work with the podcast okay so Rachel first of all 14 month old 15 month olds are the worst one year olds are the worst (laughs) Megan and I have established that and I also want to tell you it's about to get way better I know we say that but specifically I remember I remember remember 18 months being a threshold for when the younger could play with the older. Um, But I have a few more. I do have a few more thoughts. This is really common and it's not going to be forever. They're not going to hate each other forever. And four and 14 months are really hard because 14 months is a baby. Yeah. And four is that really independent age where kids are getting their crap together, yep. you know, older kids, and they have real opinions about stuff. And they want things the to same, go their way. Their like, they, way, they yeah. know the rules. Like she said, she, yep. like, the four-year-old doesn't understand why the one-year-old won't play by the rules. Like, four-year-olds, right. you know, get real into fairness and the rules yep. and all of that. Um, well, I have a couple of just practical tips that came into my head. And um, one is that sometimes four-year-olds like to help teach or help, um, like, mm. if you give the four-year-old a job, that instead of expecting them to play together, because they can't, because they're not on equal playing fields, Um, giving the four-year-old some kind of job that allows her to teach her sister something or um, be part of like, almost like a mommy's helper and not, maybe she won't be into that, but that's just one idea. I do feel like that's different than having them, expecting them to play together. Um, The other thing is make sure that older one is getting some time either with peers or with mom or dad, where she's not Mm -hmm. feeling frustrated that she's never getting to play or alone. Yeah. 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 Um, So that there's some special time. We've talked about that in previous episodes, some little yeah. one-on-one time or play dates. You know, it's a great age. If she's social, my four-year-olds weren't always super social, but my youngest is. And if she's social, then even play dates with peers or friends or cousins or whoever, so that she, she doesn't have all that pent up frustration of never getting to play with someone her age or a little bit yeah. older who can play by the rules. So those were a I couple. Would, yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that second one. And, and I think it's important to not <clears throat> get so caught up in the idea that your kids are going to be buddies that you kind of like almost create a backfiring situation. (laughs) Um, I would focus on quality over quantity of time Mm -hmm. that they spend together. And I think the quality of time will be better if you're older feels like she can get that. Like you were saying, Sarah, that time by herself or with peers or with you guys. Um, 
I just feel like then she might see, then she might feel a little more generous right. and I don't know, willing to be really kind to her sister where right. if she feels like it's forced on her, um, she might not. And that's, that's legitimate. That's fair because 14 month old babies can be annoying. Yeah. And so will a two year old be and a three year old. That's not yep. going to go away, you know? Yep. And we, yeah, we've talked a lot on the show about the personalities. Like it, that's why going back to Ellie's question, I think the space in between your kids is only one factor because you can have siblings spaced, you know, whatever space apart and their personalities either do or they don't match up, match, match yeah. up. And then that changes over time. Um, I think, I think it's helpful too. a four year old can really start to understand what, what she can expect from say a one and a half and two year old as the baby does right. get older and you as the mom can help modify games and rules, you know, like it's not, we can't expect her to do X, Y, Z. What if we change the rules to, you know, and little by little, yeah. you're just giving them skills and tools because actually that's, that, those are great skills to have their whole life. It's never a perfect match of social and yep. developmental abilities. So being able to figure out, that's why I love, I love big families. I love mixed age cousin groups because when you watch all that, maybe not at four and 14 months, but when you watch groups of kids, don't you think Megan, they just figure out, they figure they it out, yeah. they figure out how to accommodate everybody. And a lot of times they do it on their own, but it takes sort of being there and sort of coaching yeah. them. I think they need to be coached because they don't always understand what the younger is, um, capable of. Exactly. Um, another thing I will say, and I've made, you know, I learned this the hard way with various kids of my own and nieces and nephew groupings and pairings. Um, it's very easy to put the onus of getting along on the older mm -hmm. always mm -hmm. till you, and then create a monster out of the younger mm -hmm. <laughs> only by not having any expectations of them. So right. like a 14 month old, you can't expect a whole lot of, you know, they are what they are. They're basically like a walking bundle of nerves yeah. um, and, and like reactions. But as that 14 month old gets older, if they know every time they run to you, you're going to side with them or if they can instigate and fly under the radar, yep. if they, they're just going to figure you out. And I think it's really wise to pay pretty close attention to how you're reacting and what dynamics are being created because yeah. you don't want the, the younger to be the one who gets away with everything, um, ends up kind of spoiled, ends up whining a lot because they know if they whine, they get their way, tattling a lot. I mean, that, and that can happen and you don't even, like, you're just tired and you're just trying to get yeah. through the day. So you're giving in to stuff and you're yeah. kind of giving the the younger giving them a want, free pass yeah giving them a free pass and then next thing you know they just expect that they're going to always get their way and i just it's you know i'm a baby myself a baby <laughs> of the family i'm sure i did that myself but i've watched that happen in the pairings in my family as well yeah um, but the younger sometimes could be a real stinker and kind of get away with it and then yeah. the older kid just had to suck it up and that's right. not necessarily it's not fair great. and it's not fair and it's not going to create what you want in the end. right I think that's such a good point and and I know having so my my middle and youngest have very opposite personalities I've talked about it on the show when Violet was like 18 months well pretty much her whole life but especially in that one to two year old range I mean she wasn't just a busy active toddler who couldn't follow the rules she, we would call her the home wrecker like she would just wreck stuff <laughs> on purpose and on purpose because of that stinker streak um, and Reed being his personality would flip out. And this was a dynamic in our house for a long time. Um, and I, I agree. I think those olders need to feel secure. So whether you're helping them by maybe it's moving certain toys into their room and maybe maybe they do have to have maybe a little time by themselves, but at least their personal property is not at risk. Like for a while for us, it really was helping the older kids feel like they, you know, they were important enough that their stuff did not have to get torn up, ripped right. and stepped on by sort of a holy terror. So I right. feel you. That was hard and it's better now. It really is. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, I hope that better. is helpful. Because <laughs> I know um, it's also just kind of like a suck it up and get through it as well as you can thing until they're old enough to appreciate each other, which sometimes takes a while. It, it does take a while. And I think when we when that's all we know, then we tend to project and be like, okay, well, this is how it's going to be forever. And I heard a little bit of that in yeah. Rachel's voice. Like, oh, no, did I pick a three-year age gap and now are they right, ever going to be on yeah. the same? And the truth is they will and they won't and it'll ebb and flow. But for sure, it will get better than four and 14 months. That I feel really confident, guaranteed. Yeah, <laughs> me too. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh. But you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately, the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. So we're going to move on to a question from Katie and we will listen to Katie now. Hi, Megan and Sarah. My name is Katie and I have two boys who are six months old and two and a half. Are any of your kids shy? How do you handle it? On a good day, my two and a half year old is slow to warm up, but other times he completely freezes when someone says hi. If we're at the park and other kids show up, he no longer wants to play. Or if we host a play date, he might go upstairs or into another room. 
I want to explain to other kids and moms what's going on, but I don't want him to hear me label him as shy and then have it become a lifelong self-fulfilling prophecy. As a stay-at-home mom, I might be extra sensitive to this because he doesn't go to daycare, but we do our fair share of activities like story time and swim. Any advice for how I can support and encourage him? Thanks. I love your show. Thanks for your question, Katie. Oh, okay. So I have to say, I've never had a kid who was like super shy, um, you know, to the end of the spectrum shy, but I've definitely had kids with um, varying levels of introversion and also kids who've gone through like introverted uh, sort of almost phases when Mm -hmm. then they kind of came out and really weren't anymore. Or sometimes they would like surprise me and just in a situation I thought they would do great in, they kind of would freeze up. So, um, I've had some experience with that for sure. And I I hear what you're saying about not wanting to label them. I think there's ways you can say things where everyone's going to know the code that you're speaking. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, he takes a while to warm up. That's Mm -hmm. one I might use. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes he just needs some time, you know, things like that, where I think other parents, uh, will understand what you're saying without having to use, you know, the SHY label, right. which I understand why you wouldn't want to do that. Um, but I think one thing to, to keep in mind first is like, how does your child feel about being shy? Like if he's not upset about not wanting to play with other kids or if he's fine with going to his room and not wanting to come out, my tendency would be to not force it um, and to not even necessarily really worry about it. It's more if they're they're missing out on things they really want to do or if social situations are really unpleasant for them because they're so shy. That's where I think there's just like a little bit of a difference between a kid who hangs back and doesn't mind hanging back and the kid who feels bad about it and needs support to get out there. Do you think so, Sarah? Like there's a little I, bit of a not difference. Only, that I not only do out. I think so, but that's what I was going to say. You stole my, oh. <laughs> I, no, but that's exactly, I think a point that a lot of people forget, which is how does your child feel about their quote unquote shyness or reserved nature or whatever? Um, I had, my oldest was, we just called her the observer, the watcher, because mm-hmm. she would just hang back, but she was completely calm about it. There was no anxiety. She wasn't um, overwhelmed. I wouldn't even say she just didn't really engage until I, I used to joke. You could set a clock to it. We'd go. And, and this is even with play dates where she knew some of the kids and she'd still hang by me or by herself and kind of, um, just not engage with the other kids for like 30 minutes. And I swear by the time she was maybe three, you could set a clock to it. And like at the 30 minute mark there, she'd be like little by little on her own Mm -hmm. timing, getting in. So I a hundred percent agree. I'm so glad you brought that up that read your child on whether this is something that's distressing them or just part of their nature. The other thing I was going to bring up is I feel like I'm, I model the social skills myself when my kids are at this phase and it might feel kind of silly, but if someone comes up to my kid, an adult or, or maybe another outgoing kid and is saying, you know, hi, Violet, I'm, you know, I'm so excited to play with you today. I'm glad you're here. And if my kid doesn't say anything at all or, or shrinks behind my back, I, instead of just drawing attention, I would just say, Hey, we're so glad to be here too. And I sort of become the voice, um, yeah, no, like their microphone. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah. if someone says nice to meet you, instead of nudging my kid and say, say nice to meet you, I just say nice to meet you too. So I'm just sort of modeling. And then, you know, little by little, they'll surprise you after months or years, you know, Mm -hmm. that won't be, they won't shrink behind you anymore and they'll be ready to 
make those social graces or make conversation. We forget like two and three year olds, like adult social um, norms are so foreign to them. I mean, they're weird. It, we they're weird. weird. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and the fact that people come up and want to start talking to you right away. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just so normal. So um, number one, I think, yeah, it's normal and they grow out of it. And there's a lot you can do, I think, to just, you know, model the friendly behavior that you're hoping to see from them. Yeah. And they will definitely catch on. And also, like you said, totally read, read whether it's distressing them or just kind of the way they are. Um, and to your point about Allegra, like, uh, you know, having the time, the half hour yeah. you know, clock or whatever, um, giving her, give, allowing her to do that without putting a bunch of pressure on her from the beginning allows her to kind of like open up slowly right. on her own schedule. And if you had been trying to push her forward <clears throat> or calling attention to the fact that right. she wasn't speaking or engaging with people yet, she might have felt more uncomfortable or more um, self-conscious about yes, it. Yes. Yeah. And like she was on. Up. Yes. Like there was some pressure. I want to address <laughs> to Katie's concern about not being in daycare or preschool because she's a stay at home mom. Um, if mm. you have ever observed toddlers in a full-time daycare program, they, I mean, of course there are, there's some socialization benefits and great programs will help kids, but they are not really playing with each other. They're right. totally parallel playing. Yep. Um, and I think that's mostly a myth that that would necessarily solve the issue. Um, right. And it sounds like they're getting out in the world. They're being around people, being around people. I think I think it's misguided to think that if we put a bunch of same age toddlers in a room or preschoolers that they're just going to play with each other. I just think right. they're all in it, different. It doesn't work that th- way. It doesn't. So no. I think so. I'm not saying socialization is not important, but I think you accomplish that in all the ways that you're saying, Katie, which is going to swim lessons, being around your right. family, being around going to the park. That all happens naturally. It doesn't have to happen in a same age classroom situation. I agree. And I've always felt that kids learn how to interact and become, you know, kids learn how to live in the world by seeing older people do it, mm-hmm. not by looking at kids their own age and yes. not doing it. That is so <laughs> true. Know? It was like, it's, it's like a, you know, a bunch of blind people leading other blind people, like, because they're all toddlers and they yes. don't, you know, they don't know, they don't know what they don't know. And, and they don't really, they don't even care. And that's, again, why just just sort of like modeling how you would be friendly and how outgoing you feel. And they will kind of gain their confidence from that. Um, So this is exciting because this Friday, um, so this is coming out on a Tuesday. And so just in a few days, we're going to air one of our Mom Hour Voices interviews. And it's with Dr. Eileen Kennedy Moore, who wrote a book about friendships and elementary school age kids. But we actually took I actually brought some listener questions to her from our Instagram community. And a lot were about social dynamics dynamics and uh, preschoolers and younger elementary school kids, including topics like shyness or, you know, being intimidated by big groups of friends. So it's a little different than this. And I wanted to address Katie's specific question. But if you want to learn more about this kind of stuff from an expert, it was a fantastic interview. Um, And if your kids are maybe a little older than Katie's and still dealing with shyness or um, troublemaking friends, that's really what we talked about. And it was a fantastic interview. So look for that on Friday um, in your podcast feed. So that was great. And then I did think of one more thing. I guess I'm not done talking about this with Katie. Um, All right. And that is as your kid gets a little older, your shy or reserved kid gets a little older. I think you can ask them for guidance on how much they want help. You know, like I I think Mm -hmm. a five or six year old, maybe even a four year old. If you're going into um, like a family Thanksgiving or a birthday party, one of those super overwhelming social situations, you can just ask and you can without labeling or making them feel self-conscious. You can say, you know, sometimes I feel a little shy when I walk into big groups. Would it help if we held hands? You know, what? 
what can I do to help you feel comfortable? Would you like to stay near me? And, you know, and just sort of dialogue that. And I don't think we need to be afraid that the kid's going to feel bad or feel like they're being labeled, Um, especially if you if you just make it a natural. Everybody feels a little bit shy sometimes. And how can I help you? So I think you can relate it to a story about when you were a kid and you felt shy in a situation or you don't even use you don't even have to use the word shy. I know. I don't think I I don't don't even really like. Yeah. You know, or I was, you know, there were so many people, it was really loud. I was, you know, there's just, there's lots of ways to put things and you might also start to figure out what their triggers are. It, it might not be people. Right. It could be lots of new people. It yeah. could be, you know, you might find yourself in a situation where there's like one other kid, they do fine. Or right. maybe that's worse and more pressure for them. I've, it's so funny. Like I've had kids who I just actually, you know, my kids are older now, but just had a situation, um, about a month ago where a friend of mine that I've known for a long time, but I've never met her children. Okay. She just happened to be visiting this area and her kids are roughly Claire and Owen's age. <clears throat> and so, you know, we're like, cool, we'll get together and hang out for a while and the kids will play. It's going to be great. And they were like in a little vacation house um, near me. So I go there with my kids and none of the children talk to each other. Oh. Everyone <laughs> like stared at their feet and said nothing. And it wasn't until a bunch of kids in like a neighboring cabin came out. Suddenly they're all playing and all of them got in and my kids aren't particularly shy um, or uncomfortable in social situations. It was just so weird. Yeah. And it reminded me that sometimes, you know, what we think is going to (laughs) work totally doesn't. And you don't even know necessarily why, like why those other kids, maybe there was, maybe it was because those kids were kind of loud and rough and it just encouraged everyone to get involved or maybe there was less pressure because they didn't have to talk just to the one kid their own age. Right. Um, Who knows? It's just what I thought was going to be the case wasn't. And in the end it was okay because the, the situation switched up a little bit and suddenly kids who looked like they couldn't even speak English suddenly were like playing and running around. Right. So, yeah. I mean, it's so funny. Like imagine if, like you and I went to a cocktail party and you sort of like nudged me and was like, okay, Sarah, go talk to people. Like go play right. with, go, go, go be don't social I, with I the other that? grownups. Yeah, I don't, don't think I do you that do. To you I just hang this? on to you. Um, but we do that <laughs> to our kids sometimes. Yeah. No, I just, I just hang tight to you, but no, um, but we do that to our kids sometimes, right? We yeah. put a whole bunch of three-year-olds in a room and they're like, okay, go play with your friends. And they're like, but these aren't my friends. Th- these aren't my friends and you're my mom and I want to hang out with right. you. So I think I'm, what I'm hearing from Katie is she really does respect that and doesn't want to push, but just just, you know, wants to make sure she's supporting the growth. And so I think she's probably already doing a great job, but hopefully we offered maybe some more ideas. One other so. thing I would say, yeah. since we're throwing in one's Mars, it made me think of it when you said the thing about, you know, go play. And then the kid is, you know, like my mom's here. I want to hang with her. I would be interested to know, and I wouldn't recommend like dumping your kid off and taking off because you want to do an experiment on them necessarily. But I'd be very curious to know if that changes at all if Katie's not around mm-hmm. because sometimes I think what looks like shyness is actually a preference for mom mm-hmm. over yeah. anybody else and if mom is taken out of the equation what would that kid do and again right. that's like I think there's natural ways to test that without being like well let's see right. let's do an experiment and find out but um I, I that's been the case for me like kids can sometimes appear to be shy when really they just have a strong preference for mom or dad yeah absolutely and or like we touched on earlier possibly just groups are overwhelming too when I did yeah. the interview with Dr. Kennedy Moore she talked a lot about playdates and I always think of playdates as like something for moms to do to get out of the house right. and yeah. chit chat because that's how I think of it but she, developmentally uh, one-on-one playdates are really really good for kids especially kids who you know get overwhelmed in larger situations or who or who need to practice being you know yeah. you know l- learning how to play with other kids so that could yeah. be another kind of small way to do it so 
All right. Well, we got through three. Did we solve all of the problems? We solved the problems. All All the problems. Um, In the show notes for this episode 122, I will link to all of the other episodes where we've done listener Q&A. Because, I don't know, I want to say it's around 10 by now. Yeah. Um, And so that will be a fun way to, if you just like this kind of, if you're new around here and you like this uh, Dear Abby style Mm -hmm. (laughs) that we occasionally do, I will link up all those. And then next week, we're going to take three more questions from listeners. So that will be fun. Fun. Um, Yeah. Kind Snacks. Thanks to Kind Snacks and thanks to FabFitFun. All the info about getting those great brands will also be in the show notes at themomhour.com. Talk to you next time. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Hi everyone, Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening and leave the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us and it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you can navigate to the Mom Hours show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the Mom Hour just above the play button and then scroll all the way to the bottom and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening.